0: Welcome to Brand Meet Creator Podcast with me, Harley Jordan, and Sonia Elise.
1: A place where we pull back the curtain and the trashy filters on the influencer marketing industry.
0: So pull up a chair and grab a notebook.
1: It's time to shed some light on the ever-changing Instaverse.
0: Hello. I am so excited for this episode because it goes so deep into a a wide variety of topics. Um, craft fairs is actually the beginning, but don't 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 fear my creator friends because the reason I actually had Miss Phoebe Sherman on the podcast today is because we are seeing influencer events coming back. And you know what else I'm seeing? Influencers really want really put on their goals list, put on their bucket list to throw live events. We are past this COVID thing and this COVID thing. Great, great wording, Harley. And we want to get into retreats. We want to do speaking gigs. We want to be on panels. We want to host live events, local events. And Miss Phoebe Sherman, the founder of Girl Gang Craft, is actually a pro at that. So she's created this community for femme creative. She puts on craft fairs, offers classes, courses, hosts a podcast, and designs a feminist clothing line. I just think she is so wonderful. She lives in Salem with her fiance and puppy Lavender. And she started throwing these craft fairs, I think she said, in 2016. And she started at this local cafe. I'll let her explain more. But I wanted to give you a little bit of insight to why this is so relevant to you and how you can utilize this to consider how to get events sponsored by brands, how to bring brands in, what resources you need, et cetera. Um, So before we actually get into the episode, I want to talk about selling. (laughs) Don't cringe. Don't cringe. There is a reason behind this. So I had a conversation yesterday with a coach that I fully respect, who has been on this podcast, Miss Michelle Sheeran. And... I was basically explaining do less club. I have wanted to pivot do less into a different format for a while, because as you will hear later in this episode, launching, formal launching with a closed date on my programs is burning me out to no end. It is exhausting, I don't like it, it's giving me a visceral ick, and you know, what, you know what that means when we get a visceral ick from something that we're doing in our business or on social media? We find a way to go around it. So that is what we were doing with Do Less Club. So she asked me to really lay out to her what I have in this program. And she stopped me and she goes, I have a feeling that you are giving far more than you actually are saying on any kind of site, on any kind of marketing material. I have a feeling there's too much in this program. And I said, yes, (laughs) yes. And so I laid out what we do and really at the heart of it, it is Big time on the mindset, if you have limiting beliefs surrounding putting yourself online, selling online, being who you are with an audience perceiving who you are constantly, then this is the place to have that accountability, to have that little knock about, hey. This is a limiting belief and it's also so not true. Here's how we're perceiving you. Here's how this outside perspective of me, of the group, of people who get it are actually seeing you. And we go into the messaging of that, building out your content pillars, building out a consistent strategy so that you can do less with this aligned format. But then we go into messaging of how to sell, of how to sell yourself how to sell yourself to brands, how to sell your services. And that is really the key of it. You're building this aligned personal brand that will leverage your following, whatever number you are at. I do not care if you are at a thousand followers or a million followers. Leveraging your following to make more money is hard. And I say this all the time, but I have clients with 120 K followers who are making $0.00 and 0 cents are really struggling to sell online. They'll launch a merch line and have three people buy. A following does not mean money. But then I also have clients literally, literally last week, who has 2000 followers and had an 11k launch with her own product. So where the sweet spot really is, is Creating this digital offer, creating something that you can put into your business to actually make a consistent income. Brand partnerships are great, but multiple streams of income is absolutely better. And so, with this, we go into selling on your stories, into launching your program on social media and selling it actively, whether you are offering an evergreen product that doesn't have a closing date. So, that would be like, you know, a course that you can take any time, or I have a rate calculator on on my stuff, or a, you know, whatever it is. Or you're launching, whether that is a sale, or a, a sale that ends, or a live event, a workshop with a designated start date, or a program that will have some live component that closes, because you have to actually start it. That would be your launching. So we go through all of this, plus some on the brand partnership stuff because you know, if you're going to build a following, you might as well do brand partnerships. But this coach, going back to my story, my coach, <laughs> I could just rant on my program for forever because I love it. Um, this coach stopped me and she was like, Harley, you're a sales coach, and I was like, <clears throat> What? And she was like, You're a sales coach, how does that sit with you? and I was like, uh, that sits awful with me because I think about this time when I was in a corporate job and I basically had the opportunity be- to choose between a management branch and a sales branch. And I got to decide, do I wanna do a managerial role? Do I wanna go into sales? And little 20 year old me said, I absolutely don't wanna go into sales because it gives me a visceral ick. Cold calling gives me so much anxiety, it hurts. And I like working with people. I like being in management. But you know what? What I really differentiated with that experience was, I hate masculine sales. I hate used car salesmen sales. I don't want to call someone on the phone and say, did you know that we have this camp coming up and here are the key features? That's not how I make sales. How I make sales and how I handle handled high-level clientele, or my employees for that matter, was building trust and using this feminine sales strategy to talk through why they need it, if I recommend it, and if I don't recommend it, that is also okay. And when I phrase it like that, when I think about leaning into aligned, feminine sales that feel right to you that don't make you feel like you're actually pushing something ever. Not talking about the numbers or, you know, I don't need to come in hot and be like, I made 40k months. Like that's not what I want to do ever, but that is what it is. So I hope that my little tangent helped you to differentiate there's a way to do this better you don't need to listen to all of the masculine coaching on here's how you sell if it doesn't feel good like I said if it gives you the ick absolutely get out of there so if you want to learn more about this program you can head to the show notes I will be opening it up evergreen with a rolling admission so soon um come hang out with me in dms if you want to chat about the program but in the meantime let's get into this episode here's phoebe welcome back to another episode of brand Meat creator i have phoebe here today and so we've got to start with with a segment of if you like it like it what weird thing are
1: you liking on the internet today I'm really liking carousels on both Instagram and TikTok. I think Ooh. it's like an undervalued uh, type of content. And mine have been doing so well. I did like one about car bacon. I don't know. I just like had, car a, bacon? Tu- <laughs> had a Tupperware of bacon when I went to go tulip picking. And I don't know. Um, people like loved the two the two carousels, like the, the two static images on TikTok. I think those are being uh, picked up by the algorithm.
0: I have had so many people say this recently and it makes my heart like just glow because I'm so excited that we are leaning into a slower form of consumption and slower form of just content in general. Um, so I'm curious, what's your biggest tip to
1: carousels that are scroll stopping? Because clearly car bacon. <laughs> car bacon, go get yourself some car bacon. Um, I think on TikTok, um, humor is great i think also like figuring out how you can do these like trends in a way that works for your niche like the what i ate last week or whatever mm-hmm. what i what i ate and whatever and then you can like add your own design so i said like what designs i ate bumper sticker edition and then did a, a bump my new bumper stickers and that seemed to go over well it's almost like um like a cliffhanger or something. Mm-hmm. It's like setting yourself up and then putting the punchline down. And then I think for Instagram just like, you know, a scroll, like something that's going to have people continue to scroll through the carousel, right? So like an infographic or tips, um mm-hmm. anything that's shareable also.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know what I really enjoy about it is that it feels like a non-salesy way to Sell so, to be totally. honest. Yeah. like I can set up a whole storytelling moment about day in the life or what I'm thinking right now, and end with, "If you're feeling this too, head to my program, do less club, and blah blah blah."
1: <laughs> <laughs> you do great carousels. I love how you do like the Thank infographic too. with the pictures of yourself too, because I think that's important. So like people, you know, recognize you and like in brand recognition and understand who it's coming from.
0: It. It really gives me Instagram circa 2019, 2020 vibes. And I'm just, I'm loving it. And I think that's what we're all just craving is like, how it's can I go days. back? To that? <laughs> no, Yeah, so nostalgic. 2019. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you like it, like it. Baby, welcome to Brand Meat Creator. I think we need to tell the peeps a little bit about you. How on earth? did you get started in, I I was going to say craft fairs, but like how on earth did you get started in the online world?
1: Yeah. So in 2016, in response to the election, I designed um, a, a print of a uterus that said nasty woman. And that sort of became um, my initial emblem, if you will, for my feminist apparel line. And that I was sort of, you know, figuring out how to sell my work in person in the Bay Area in California, and realizing the craft fair world was pretty expensive. Um, some of these craft fairs charge like eight hundred dollars for the weekend, and uh, while I love and respect these craft fairs, it's not um, it's it's not a viable option for creatives yeah. just starting out. Also, some of these craft fairs were uh, you know exclusive, and I wasn't always getting in. So mm-hmm. I just decided to start my own so I gathered 15 I, of my I friends know, need to
0: know more about that because <laughs> I feel like I'm so not in that space and I, I don't know if I don't know if my peeps listening are in that space either what like how much competition is there what's the application yeah. process
1: I'm so nosy. So, so, no, I love it. So all of the craft fairs are very different. So in LA, because I know a lot of your communities in LA, there's like unique markets. um, There's West Coast Craft as an LA show. Renegade does a show. Those are sort of Mm -hmm. maybe some of the big names that you've heard. And they specialize in small businesses. And a lot of these are handcrafted and makers. And so like the application process, a lot of these events have an application fee and then you like submit, you know, your photos or your website or Instagram. And, you know, I had just been starting out, so I didn't really have um, a strong brand, you know, at the beginning. You were Um, like, here's my
0: uterus design and I love it. Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah, exactly. And so, um, yeah, so I mean, some of these events are really competitive. I mean, they have a certain amount of room, like physical room, because you're essentially renting out physical space on the ground um and they're competitive so yeah so that's kind of the breakdown and so I sort of had created a community through um the markets that I was getting into and just grabbed some of my friends and we had the first girl gang craft at my friend's uh, cafe in Oakland
0: that's so wild that you were just like let's do it ourselves let's do it so first first event that you ever threw And this is really why, this is why I have you on, because I want to talk about this like in real life events thing. Like, I think this is so important, especially going forward. Sonia brought this up recently, how events are the next big thing. So I want to hear about how this first beta went.
1: Yeah. So I guess like stepping back a little bit. So I had thrown a couple other sort of art related events before that in Mm. college. I had a couple of like gallery um, events that I had curated um, and I did like a small craft fair at my yoga studio and um, my background is in yoga. I taught yoga for seven years and that one was like, I mean, you know, nothing's a failure. We learned from all of it, but like, you know, not very many people came to the yoga one. Uh-huh. Um, but people came to this, to this first girl gang craft. I was, I wanted it to be, um, female centered. I that's when I started the Instagram. That's when I like figured out how to like make flyers and make a Facebook event. And, you know, uh, that was when I think my first download of Canva too, like I made a little (laughs) flyer, you know, um, and we got people there and it was cool to be in a space like that. I highly suggest if you're starting out with an event, partnering with a space that like has all the things because mm. getting permitting for like food or alcohol is a yeah. big pain and mm. it's, all, it's different in every single city. So you have to like get in with the knowledge of what your city needs. <laughs> and it sometimes it changes all the time too. So if you could work with like a bar or a cafe yes. or something that has, you know, the things that can sustain people,
0: that's a, good, was this a good way to on do, a do it. And during a weekday?
1: Yes. Weekend. Got it. Yeah. If lot you're going to have events. a market, do a weekend.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. Because I feel like I've seen a lot of events happen on weekdays recently. And as much as attendance, I'm kind of like, mm, that's rough. Like, I get why they would do it is because the business has less less stuff going on at that point. We're taking a quick break to talk about another show in Hype U Media. If you sell a Physical product, or thinking about launching a brand—jewelry, clothing, skincare—and you're looking for a place that can guide you to build a long-lasting brand. I have to introduce you to Stacy Jones, who is the owner of an activewear brand, Sun Love and Roots, which she started in 2015 and has grown into a seven-figure, seven-figure brand that she is now sharing all of her insights on and how to navigate the product-based business world and showing you how you can show up as yourself, build a brand that's in alignment with you and grow a community of brand besties that will be screaming for your brand from the rooftop. So be sure to check out Nourished Productpreneur Podcast. And you can also find Stacy at Roots on Instagram. So with this first event what do you think really or this first successful event what do you think was the turning point was it the prep before was it the mindset going in was it just a culmination of all of these pieces together what do you attribute it to
1: I think people were just excited about it I don't think anyone had done like a female oriented um craft fair we're like yeah so we're the largest uh California female craft fair um, which is pretty cool. It um, is And I think, uh, you know, it was during a pretty political time. People were very involved in politics, and a lot of our vendors were political, um, and a lot of our vendors were just excited, and you know, got people there, and you know, it was a success. It wasn't thousands of people; it was a small cafe, but Mm -hmm. you know, that gave me. I mean, I guess if it had gone terribly, maybe I wouldn't have wanted to do it again. (laughs) So I'm glad. (laughs) I'm glad it went like decently. So because we did it again and again, and we kept on. Sort of growing, um, and now our Oakland space has um, over a hundred vendors. Um, and wow. then we, yeah, and we did events in LA, and then we had plans for Sacramento. And then I moved over to Salem, Massachusetts. So we have events over here, and just announced Rhode Island as well.
0: That's amazing! Wow, that that blows my mind. So, I I guess my first selfish question is. How on earth do we set up an event of our own as an influencer? Like, like, like I said, I think there's this really big want to do something in real life. Like we've had COVID, we've had this viral age of TikTok and Instagram. We want to do something with people in real life. Only a few people have these hyper local audiences. How? (laughs) Big question, how? How?
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess the first thing is trying to figure out what kind of event you want to throw, right? So um, we focused mostly on craft fairs, um, but we also threw a conference in what, 2019. Mm -hmm. um, And then we threw an online conference and we realized that we hated throwing online conferences. (laughs) Um, We'll never do it again. Uh, But so yeah, figuring out what kind of event. So like Where is your community? I guess location first. Where is your community located? Where are you located? Where? Mm -hmm. What kind of space is conducive for this event? Mm -hmm. Do you need foot traffic? Is it going to be ticketed? Um, Do you need a lot of seating, or is it like standing and casual? So thinking about like what sort of space facilitates uh, your event. Also, if you haven't read um, the Art of Gathering by Priya Parker. Ooh. she's incredible yeah um she write it's a book all about intentional events and I think yeah really having like a theme or you know activities um yes. and thinking about what the purpose of the event is really important
0: mm-hmm. yeah that specificity I was actually just talking to an influencer in do Less club who um, had a meeting with Trova Trip. Uh, so they help host like travel events with people's Mm -hmm. following and they've jumped into partnering with reality stars and influencers and like all of these people that aren't necessarily in the travel space per se. But what they do is once you get there, you have this full itinerary and- a local guide will walk you through everything yada yada but the problem is that it's fairly expensive even locally to or uh domestically to set something like this up so you're looking at you know a 7-day trip for someone and $3000 and that's just not realistic for your average person that's traveling not with their significant other not with like a friend that you are you know close with in real life like it's this big b- jump right so we dove into this conversation about okay girlfriend like you could do this yourself what do you need to do what like what what topic are you going to surround this on is it going to be fitness are you going to do bring in a cocktail person to teach a little workshop like how is this going to run I don't know what question I have from there. I want to know your thoughts. <laughs>
1: Here, What I would say is start, before you're jumping into a seven-day event, maybe start with a one-day event. Yes, that, thank That's you. just what I would suggest. Um, you know, maybe, or maybe not, maybe even a cocktail hour. Like maybe I you love throw that. a panel or a Q&A or, um, you know, even like a vision board workshop. You know, see what it would actually be like to have a physical activity because it's taxing. And if you jump into a seven day retreat first, you're going to uh-uh. be very overwhelmed. And I would not suggest doing that.
0: I think even a even a weekend would be overwhelming. But yeah. I think that you could do a weekend where you're spending less than a thousand dollars per person and you're actually making a profit versus just a random free trip that you get to go on. I think
1: you're so right. Start small. Yeah. And there's so many, um, you know, there's so many types of events that could make sense for your community and for your niche. You know, again, like the panel, the um, Mm Q&A, an activity, a reading, um, a workshop, Mm -hmm. um, and then there's really cool brand partnership opportunities, right, for being in person. I'm so
0: glad that you dove into this.
1: (laughs) Because so that's how we got our start with brand partnerships. So I I guess I had been doing a little bit of... um, you know, content trade for clothes when I was Uh teaching yoga and doing a little traveling. Um, So I was familiar a little bit with that world. But when we started doing events and realizing that um, partners can sort of uh, subsidize, that's the word, can sort of subsidize the event expenses, right? So uh, like, you know, maybe you're doing a ticket event or maybe you're doing a free event, but let's say you have, grab a couple of partnerships for a thousand dollars each, you know, like that can help you pay for the space or for mm-hmm. or just, you know, pay for the event or uh whatever your extra accessories, if you will. Um, so like we started to work with partners in person. Um basically how our events work is we um we rent out space essentially. Mm-hmm. So Vendors apply, and then we rent them out, booth spaces. So when we work with partners, those booth spaces, if you will, are just more expensive than what Mm -hmm. we would offer to the small businesses. So, um, you know, we've worked with Topo Chico. We've worked with Get Around. Mm. Let's see. I mean, and then so, yeah, working and then Revive Kombucha. So all of these sort of big businesses would have various sort of activations. So like maybe right. they have, I think get around, you know, had some sort of like spinny wheel situation. It was just like, you know, trying to get the word out. Um, right. and then like, you know, Topo Chico handed out drinks and then revive actually like sold drinks and then gave all the oh, proceeds yeah. to Planned Parenthood. So oh, that was amazing. cool. Yeah. So there's so many sort of ways that you can work with partners in person. Like, you know, goodie bags or, you know, maybe partners just want to donate things and that could be a reason for people to buy the tickets. Yes. It's, it's a really good goodie bag, right? People yes. people love a goodie bag.
0: Right. Um, reason to get there early, reason to line up,
1: reason to exactly. go social, Exactly. And so you can definitely do crossover with in-person and online as well. Like, okay, you're offering a reel um, of the Topo Chico as well or whatever, And or of the goodie bag, like our goodie bag reels are always do really well too. people get really excited about it. So that's something, you know, to report back to your partners that they're going to love because, you know, it did well and people were excited and, um, you know, that's good content for them to use, too. So there's lots of opportunity.
0: Yes. I want to know what your biggest tips to reaching out to brands about in real life activations and what do you have on the event one
1: yeah so um this year it changes like every year every quarter i swear this is why i struggle Um, with
0: media kits because it truly changes so often you have to update that all the time
1: yeah and especially if your followers are are growing and you want to like change your prices um, but for the in-person events, we sort of have it down to like a formula at this point, like what our prices are, what people can opt into. Um, you know, for our holiday events, we do a gift gu- a gift um, bag and we also do a gift guide. So um, there's just like a little bit more stuff in our holiday kit, if you will, um, and then a little less stuff on our spring. And we just we have our prices listed right there. And I know that's controversial. But is
0: it in the event world?
1: <laughs> well, exactly. I think it's a little bit less controversial in the event world. And I think again, it's different
0: because you are offering them something so specific that like yeah. can't change up. And I think that's what yeah. that's what my problem is with media kits and rate sheets in brand partnership world because there's so many different things that you can do with content. Like if I have to go somewhere, literally that. If I have to include my dog in content, I'm charging more. Like. he is not
1: he is not a good paid actor (laughs) (laughs) extra money for those treats you know
0: yeah yeah exactly extra money for the treats
1: (laughs) yeah um yeah so I think we're a little bit more like this is what we offer for the events but I also give it a little bit of wiggle room so there are you know smaller Mm -hmm. companies that we've worked with are spring event in Oakland, we actually are tending to work with a little bit smaller companies than we have um before. So, you know, we're giving them, we're giving them a deal, you know. Um, and we want to support, you know, smaller businesses that are FEM Forward. But yeah, so that's what's in my media kit too, a little bit about the events too and each location, um, and like how many attendees we can expect. You know, you yes. want to have those like once you have an event, if you can figure out how many people come and sort of like average that, um, you know, get one of those those event clickers or, you know, take it at events. You can know ahead of time. Right. You can have that information for people or if there's a capacity and, you know, maybe you don't sell them all, but you're, you know, giving some away to influencers or whatever.
0: Yeah. So one thing that comes to my mind is the balance between small business and actually making a profit. And I, I hear this so often, because I mean, my soul lives in the sustainability, like small business world. And it is really hard for those people to make an income online. And you mentioned this discounting for small business thing. What how do you balance that?
1: Yeah, that that is the question. I mean, so our business is fully based uh, around supporting small business owners. Yeah. So, you know, we have, besides the events, um, so we have in-person opportunities for small business owners to sell. And then we also offer classes and courses um, and like coaching and Instagram audits, things to help the small business community succeed. Mm. And it is complicated because, you know, sure, I would love to help everyone for free. But like, I got to pay bit. my bills. Yes. <laughs> I got to eat, you know, and we do get pushback about our prices sometimes. I think our booth prices are very, very fair. Um, mm-hmm. But we get pushback. I mean, I, we all know that we all get pushback regardless. You know, I someone posted that they got pushback for like a $10 necklace. Oh and my like God. people get pushback regardless. So it's really important to you you know, stand in your your power of offerings, if you will, and like really, uh, you know, know about your pricing. And if you want to give someone a discount, you can, you know, mm-hmm. we offer we offer scholarships. So for each craft fair, we offer one scholarship booth. Um, and then for like our membership and classes and courses, we have um a handful of scholarships for black creatives, um because we want to support them in growing their businesses. So like, you can i uh you know and maybe anti-capitalism and you know um but we need capital to survive so like right. how can we create like an anti-racist you know like radical business like there are other ways that we can do this with sliding scale with treating our employees fairly with paying them a living mm-hmm. wage yeah. um with scholarships with um you know donating to charity like there are all these ways that we can create um, radical cool businesses that are like anti-establishment while also supporting ourselves and like you know we can't we can't fight the patriarchy if we're <laughs> if we're broke you know like we need more women that, that have money to you like do, fight, do it fight the patriarchy of your broke new
0: yeah. new favorite slogan <laughs>
1: But truly, right? Like, I mean, the starving artist thing is, like, a really – it's a really big thing, um, especially in Oakland. Um, And I've seen it over here, too. And, like, you have to make money. Yeah. Yeah. You have to make money, and you deserve to make money. And then you can, like, do what you want with that money, and you're not going to have to be an evil, like, Elon Musk. Like, you can (laughs) be whoever you want to be and, like, be a good person with some money and be have a house over your – a roof over your head, you know?
0: I I think the starving actor, starving artist trope is, is really difficult for me because you're saying, you know, I need to be paid. I can't pay anything. But on the flip side, you're also saying I can't pay you because I don't have, like, it doesn't make sense to me. And I think there's a balance between, you know, we all need to know our worth. We all need to pay for something to to get money back so that investing in yourself thing investing in the things that are going to actually bring you so much like I'm sure you're on average your booth your artists or makers
1: are making a ton more than they're paying yes yes and um, about the investing, I think that's really important. I think a lot of our community um, is really comfortable investing in a craft fair booth, right? They're used to that. That makes sense. They know that they're going to make their money back and then some. And they have a harder time investing in online classes or courses or coaching. Yeah. So, like, that's been um, a lot of my work to Mm -hmm. talk about why it's important to invest in yourself. Because, exactly when you put that money down, like, you're going to be darn sure that you're making that money back and you're going to find worth out of it. So, like, you know, we've done free classes and free things too. And I honestly believe people get more out of um, an investment. And we're not Mm -hmm. talking thousands of dollars here. I mean, I know that there's people. You know, the online coaching world is a slippery slope Mm -hmm. and there are people who are going to take advantage of you. But like, you know, we're just asking for a $50 or $200 investment. So it makes that you actually do the course because there's so Mm -hmm. many times that you can sign up a course for $15 or $0 and you're not going to listen to it and you're not going to make sure that you earn anything from it.
0: I I think that paid events, live recorded programs, whatever it is, are such a fast forward button to your business success too. invest in it, get that little bit of know how more than the free resources that you consume so often that little bit more directive, it just makes such a difference.
1: Yeah. And I agree. I kind of like the live classes more as a teacher and as a consumer, because then you're going to show up in that moment and do it. I mean, I'm sure everyone listening has paid for a course and like not completed it. Um, so I, yeah, I love the live classes and we're sort of done with live classes for this year because I'm getting married. So we're going to take a little pause from that. <laughs> um, But uh, yeah, I think if you, and if you buy a course that you can take whenever like schedule that shit on your calendar like make sure that you sit down and you do the course because you 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 invested in it you have to you have right, to do right the follow through yeah <laughs> there are so
0: many people there are so many people that have yet to open recorded pre-recorded courses that i've offered at some point sometime paid the money jumped in on the sale never opened it a year later that's wild I don't want to be, I don't want to be your waste of waste of money. But I I digress. I want to talk about this sliding scale piece. I I think this pricing conversation is so interesting and not many people know that there are so many options to subsidize, to use your word, your offers and keep it accessible, keep it affordable. Um and I actually struggle with this massively because I always feel conflicted between I know my worth. I do. I understand that coaches are charging thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. I literally know someone that pays her coach 80 grand a year, 80 grand a year, 80 grand a year, year, just to be in the same room as this person. But on the flip side, I want it to be accessible. And how many people can actually pay 80 grand a year? so few so few so there are options and ways that you can make your stuff more affordable to everyone one of which is sliding scale one of which is scholarships how did you come to these models because I'm sure it was an experimentation process
1: yeah my whole business is an experiment (laughs) (laughs) like every day is an experiment um yeah, I think there's a lot of ways to do it. Um, I've seen really interesting events um, do sliding scale, like the Witches Confluence, mm-hmm. I know, does the sliding scale. Even my friends having a party like next week and they're doing, um, you know, sliding scale for and then sort of like an emphasis on people in tech pay a certain amount. <laughs> like if you can afford this, this is what you're paying. If not, yeah. like you're subsidizing tickets for other people. And I think that's really cool. Um, we don't offer the sliding scale for everything we have, you know, the scholarships for our membership, you know, sometimes a couple of people have DM would me and like, I really want to take this. Like, will you, will you do it for half? And I'm like, yeah, you know, like, yeah, yeah. I even remember one of my first coaches, um, offered me a program, um, to split with someone else. Mm
0: -hmm. So me
1: and a friend split it and we were both in the program. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was cool. So I think there's like ways to do it that you can be public about and then sort of like, you know, do it a case by case basis. And then with our brand partners too, like I had a couple businesses ask like, you know, could you do it for $600 instead of a thousand? Right. Sure. You know? Yeah. Right. And, you know, I don't want all of you listening to be like, okay, well, I can get this coaching program cheaper. I think it's like, you know, really think about what you can pay and what you're willing to pay. And, right. You know, if you if you need to ask, like, who knows what their response will be?
0: I I really think if you're offering a sliding scale, you have to bring awareness to the starving artist trope and how you know you need to be paying people as you want to. Be. You want to you want to be as you, want to, you too. want to be paid Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Truly. Integrity, man. Pay integrity. <laughs> there's, I, I've just, I've seen this so frequently um, lately, more than anything. And I don't know if this is about the people that I'm following or the programs that I'm looking into, but a program will be, you know, $3,000 for the people that can pay, or you have two other options. You have $2,600, and then you have a 1800 option. But the higher option is saying your payment is subsidizing this cost for someone that can't pay. And you're putting this like moral backing on it, this ethical backing, so that it's not just like, here's your discounted option, like, go ahead. It's you are helping someone else, you're giving back with this full payment.
1: Yeah, I've been seeing that too. I think that's really cool. And then you know, it's sort of, and we've sort of made a shift because we were seeing the payment plans at a more expensive price. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've been seeing less of that lately because that was sort of talked about like, you know, giving space for neurodivergent people, even like softer, like timelines or like cart closes, Mm -hmm. um, like really allowing people to sort of email you later if they want to be in the class and not making it so intense, like with the, the clock, the clock timer, um, they're like bro marketing tactics, right? These sort of like yelling at people to join or like you, you don't believe in your business if you're not joining, like, like just weird stuff. And like, we all know that a cart open cart close, um, you know, incentivizes people to sign up. Um, I know this more than anyone. Our, our community loves the last minute sign up.
0: Oh, I hate it. <laughs> oh my
1: God. It stresses I, me out so much, but
0: I was just it, within do less club right now. We're working on launch cycle and selling in your stories. And one of the, one of my soap boxes throughout this whole teaching is people will buy on the first day and the last day. Yep. You just have to wait it out. Crickets in the the middle. middle. Yeah, crickets in the middle. Crickets and heavy anxiety. Last ten minutes. Oh, absolutely. You're getting five people. (laughs) Yes. Always.
1: I hate it. I hate it so much. Actually, like the launch cycle is really not uh, healthy for me. Like I have been really, yeah. (laughs) I have a really hard time with it. And so that's why we're sort of switching to evergreen this year, especially on the wedding year. But yeah, it's it's hard. It's really hard to put yourself out there and not have people sign up for things or like they sign up at the last minute or, man. I,
0: I had no idea this tangent would turn into... <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, this was <is> not planned. <laughs> <Any of this.
0: laughs> um, but I love it because you know what? We're on the exact same page about transitioning to an evergreen model. Um I want to know what the telling factors were for you, the signals in your brain that made you say, okay, we need to stop launching. It's time to offer something evergreen that you can buy at any time. No none of this cart closing BS.
1: Yeah, so I would say that we still sort of have a combo, but what happened was last year, end of last year, I did what I thought was like the best launch. Okay. Mm-hmm. We had this five day real challenge that we had over 500 people sign up, and I was so wow. excited. Yeah. Yeah. It was a free thing. It was five days. It was all like, you know, emails sent out with videos. It was maybe one of the best things I've ever made. And we had three people sign up for my course. After oh, that. no. And it was soul crushing. It was soul crushing. Oh, no. Um, and I had to get past it. I had to get past it. Yeah. I invited a couple people on. It was the first time we had done this six-week. It was a six-week Reels course. Mm-hmm. And I invited some people on for free to, you know, give feedback, et cetera. Right. And yeah. I moved forward with it. But I hated it. I really thought I did, like, the proper thing. I had just read, like, um, How to Launch by Jeff Walker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was, like, you know, I did it. I did the thing. I did it, like, the proper way. Um And, you know, we've done launches before, but this one like felt like a big, it was like our first $1,000 price point too. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, people don't want a six-week class on reels. They don't. They want to do it really quickly. So I launched Quick and Dirty Reels. Mm -hmm. So it's an hour and a half without reels. Mm -hmm. Um, And we moved the price point down to $197. Mm -hmm. And that one did okay. And then we did our craft fair course. And we had about maybe 10 signups for both still felt disappointing and i think part of that is people don't want to be online do online courses anymore i think part of really? that is people are having a hard time sign at least our community are having a hard time investing in themselves mm-hmm. um and then you know <laughs> we <laughs> we have and a lot of We have a lot of other live launches, right? So, like, our apps are live for a certain amount of time for our events. We are going to continue to do our membership launches um, twice a year. Um, But with me getting married this year, like, I don't have capacity to teach on, like, or actually, I have capacity to teach. I can teach no problem. I can teach anytime, anywhere but I can't have a launch this yes. year. <laughs> like yes. I physically can't take it. I get depressed yep. for the yep. week. It's like mm-hmm. I, I'm like, it's like a tick. I like am checking my, yep. my signups every like, like moment. In your DMs every second. Yeah, and then I'm like over posting and just like it's just it's so much dying so a sad death. Yeah, it's and it's <laughs> hot. It, yeah, yeah, and so it's like how. I don't know. I don't know if Evergreen's going to work for us, but that's what we're doing this year. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I think we'll have some incentives to sign up at different times maybe. And maybe next year we'll do something completely different because I actually like live teaching. So, like, my mm-hmm. preference is to have a live class. My preference is to have a container because I want to get to know people better. Mm-hmm. But my preference teaching doesn't necessarily match my community's preference for learning. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> <that> a pain <laughs> so, in the butt. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's my tangent about like I don't know, but this is what's happening. But if you do Evergreen, like you gotta like like be talking about it. sure all the time. you gotta. Well, you have to talk about it all the time. You have to make sure your funnels are like snip snappy mm-hmm. in line. Like you have to know your email marketing. Like you have to like know your ads, and it's a big project. So like, okay. yeah, we're trying to make it work and we'll see
0: yeah it's tough I I really do think that at the end of the day I would not have started with evergreen I'm so glad that I started with the live launching because I do think the evergreen I'm just going to come out and, and say this I think that evergreen is for a later point in your business yeah I agree I really do like I don't I think that there are so many other pieces along the way. Like, yes, you can talk about it all the time and, like, that's how you rent it and whatever. But there's so many things behind the scenes that need to be happening so that your well doesn't dry up.
1: Yes. I mean, I think about, like, Jenna Kutcher because she, you know, really had the evergreen classes. So, mm-hmm. I mean, she's, like, a good model to look at this and also sort of a good model as she started to prioritize her family. Um, And so, you know, I'm probably going to have kids within the next three years. So, like, the evergreen model will actually, like, support me in that, right, Mm -hmm. as I can, like, move towards, you know, not being on my computer every day. But it's a lot of work. I mean, funnels are – like, not even the funnels are a lot of work. Segmenting. Man, segmenting. Like, it's an impossible formula. (laughs) We're really diving in a fully different direction. I know, I know. But that's fine. (laughs) I absolutely
0: love it. I I love it. Because, I mean, it's so good to hear the real behind the scenes of all of this. And- just validate all of the feelings that come with live launching, setting all up, up setting all of the behind the scenes up, the experimentation that it takes you through. So, okay, to wrap this up, Phoebe, I'm going to take you in a completely different direction as well. Like, let's go back to the events piece and actually straight to the brand sponsors. I would love to know. Number one, I have two takeaway questions for you. How many brands are you pitching before you get a single one that wants to work
1: with you for events? A million. (laughs) (laughs) Check. Answer Um, one. Thank you for validation. (laughs) It's been really hard, particularly this year. And I actually... um, generally have a partnerships person working for me that's like one of the hires that i've had since the beginning because it's just a lot of back and forth and emailing and like normally we're doing it in tandem because i also have relationships with people directly so i'm it's almost like a it's a tag team right um you know we're following up with people we've worked with before they don't have budget These people are traveling blah 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 blah. and i mean that's another exhausting thing Yeah. yeah yeah so a million
0: Um, answer one million. So next question is what is your biggest tip to getting into live events?
1: I think just to do it, (laughs) to do it. (laughs) Um, I, yeah, I mean, that's, so I literally teach a class on how to throw your own damn craft fair. Um, and yep. if craft fairs are not something that you're like fully into, there's a lot of other juicy information um, in that class. It's an hour and a half. I think it's actually just an hour. So it's quick and dirty. Um, all my tips to to do it. Um, but my first tip is to, uh, I guess, you can't put it on a calendar before you have a venue. So... M- first thing, talk to a venue, find a venue. If you can find a venue for free that will be excited to work with you because you're going to bring more people in, um, like a cafe or a bar, I, I think go in that direction. So if you can get a free venue, put it on the calendar and start telling people about it.
0: And go from there. I, I love that. I think that is such a good way to kickstart your action steps so where can we find you you just gave us this option for a little masterclass that you better believe i want to go see even if i don't want to start a craft fair i feel like there's probably a ton of tidbits in there that i can take away from it
1: yeah so you can find me personally at phoebe sherman p-h-o-e-b-e and then sherman s-h-e-r-m-a-n or at girl gang craft tiktok i'm at phoebe.sherman and then you can find all of our courses at girlgangcraft.com um yeah we have a craft fair course we have um a quick and dirty reels and tiktok course email marketing brand partnerships and and even dirty yeah and even And even a taxes and accounting course that we've teamed up with for, um, with the money witch. So that one's pretty cool as as well.
0: Good. And I was actually on your podcast a couple of weeks ago. Yes. Where can we find that?
1: Yeah. So the (laughs) podcast that you're in is actually out tomorrow. Um, so, but probably not by the time this recording, so it's already out by the time that this is out um so the podcast is available on all the things spotify apple stitcher or right on our website what is it called and it's called girl game craft the podcast
0: (laughs) we will drop all of your resources down below in the show notes thank you so much for jumping on to brand meet creator if you love this episode rate it it means the world i'm going to keep pushing you to do that pretty please rate it it makes a difference and we will